welcome to episode 57 of Without a Mic Podcast. It's been a minute, but we're back together doing a podcast we're for back. the first time in a while. <laughs> welcome back, everyone. Uh, the excitement is off the charts. We missed a week. <laughs> <laughs> we have not missed a week in releasing episodes, but we've been a few weeks behind in recording episodes. So of being to be together. Back. Yeah. Yes. For the holidays. It's best to be together. So if you're joining us for the first time, this is the show where we cover all things movies, TV shows. We talk about the industry. We do lists. We're in holiday season. We're heading into award season. So it's a very exciting time of year. And there's been a lot of great shows, movies, uh, projects that have come out this year. A lot of not great ones. And today we're talking about, in my opinion, a great one. And that is Andor. So Andor uh, just finished, not last week but the week before uh so all 12 episodes are out so you can go watch them all binge them and we are reviewing this this will be a spoiler filled review so if you have not seen the show and you don't want to hear spoilers pause it right here and come back when you finished it um but it's good to be back yeah and you can find a find and or on disney plus just if anyone doesn't know that's where you find it Absolutely. Can we just give a disclaimer right now that all of our reviews are spoiler? Like, not a single one is not going to be a spoiler-filled review. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. If you're listening, it's going to be a spoiler. <laughs> yeah. I have and to break it to Who knows? Someone might spoil something that, else but... you haven't seen. <laughs> true. It might be an Inception-level yeah, we... spoiler. Like, there may be spoilers for other Star Wars movies, projects out there, um, or just anything else. But, you know, yeah. Before I before I go into the synopsis of Andor, can I just tell you I started my first ever anime show? First ever. I've never seen anime in my really? entire Which life. Which one? I started Attack Which on one? Titan. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. I have not so, seen much of it, but I've heard it's very. Started as one of the best of all time, so I figured I'd I'd dive right into a very well known. I haven't seen Avatar. I know that that's, that's really obviously cool. highly regarded, but. Yeah, I thought I'd kind of give it yeah. a try and test uh, test out a different sense of TV, you know, a different sense of visual animation. Real quick, you are watching Game of Thrones, I heard, right? I'm, I am definitely watching Game of Thrones. That's the show I'm, oh. I'm putting time into right now. So, okay, but so don't how say far anything. are you, Roger? Don't say anything. No, yeah. How far are you? That's all I want to know. I'm only episode five or six of the first season. Um, I told Brittany that okay. my my early favorite so far as Ned Stark and he might go bad. I don't know, but so far he's my favorite character. Um, so yeah, there's a lot. I mean, I, I see the differences, but I see the similarities at the same time and I see the direction that it's going and it's right. promising. So I'm, I'm excited to keep going. The only thing I ask of you is to immediately text me Us. after the season one finale. Okay. Just, just Deal. text us along the way. Honestly, well, on, on like any finales, it's not even just the season not one even finale. Just the when finales. something big happens, just just text me because it just it makes me feel so excited for you to be going through this journey, <laughs> and I'm just oh, I'm so pumped. It's so late, like I, it's that's, like it, that's like me t- asking somebody to watch, you know, Harry Potter for the first time who's never seen it, or I don't know, even hey, this is Britney's first time watching Lord Star of the Rings. Wars. Let's, let's just Star say Wars. that right now. Anything Star Wars. Wars. I did want to mention that. that. Yes, this that's, is my first experience with Star Wars. I dipped my toe into it, so you know what. It was, I wasn't going to do it, but then I thought, you know what? I asked Spencer to watch House of Dragon without watching Game of Thrones, and he did it, so I can do it too. 
Well, you hey, both this... have dipped into the best of both of those series in your first try, so get ready to be That's disappointed true. as you go forward <laughs> with everything else. <laughs> well, this... yeah. so it was good. Well, let's go. Let's dive into it. So the Andor synopsis. Um, so just so everybody knows, Andor is a full season about a character named Cassian Andor, who is a thief whose home planet Canari was destroyed by a botched Imperial mining project. The series begins with Andor as a revolution averse, and I say that in quotes, a revolution averse cynic who explores how he becomes the most passionate person who's going to give themselves to save the galaxy later on in Rogue One. So this is a prequel series to the Rogue One film. The creator is Tony Gilroy, who also wrote the script uh, to Rogue One. He's also the writer and director of the Bourne Legacy movie. And just the one individual film. So this stars Diego Luna, who I very much love in Narcos Mexico. I think he's one of the best characters. Uh, and seeing him in a different role in this show is very intriguing. Uh, he also obviously starred in Rogue One, uh, DC League of Super Pets. This stars Stellan Skarsgård, uh, Adria Arjona, and Kyle Soller. Uh, a lot of different names, uh, but I feel like those were kind of the most prominent names in this series. And it's, it's nice to see a fresh set of characters sure. and a fresh set of actors. So this is rated TV 14, 12 episodes, like Roger said. What did you guys think? Give me your initial thoughts. Before we dive into the nitty-gritty with pros and cons, Brittany, do you want to go first? Yeah, I, I want to pick Brittany's. I would love to. Um, you know what? I really enjoyed it overall. I really did enjoy Andor a lot. Um, I will say there were certain episodes that really stuck out to me, such as three, the reckoning. That was probably one of my favorite ones. Mm -hmm. Then you go to six, the yep. eye, which was, I feel like just like the climax of what was building up. The and first then, half. Yeah. And then nine through 12, I had to put mm. like all together just cause I felt like it was all, you know, like one. Um, there were a lot of big names in this though, Spence. I know that you're like saying, you know, it was nice to see like new faces, but there were some big names in there where I was like, what, what, how are they, you know, like Andy, Andy Circus? we obviously oh, we'll yeah. talk about yeah. him. Yeah. Forrest Whitaker, he, yeah, yep. he was in it. I was like, oh my gosh. And, um, Denise Goo, I think is how you say her, or Go, uh, she played Deidre Marrow. Now, she has had an incredible year. She uh, yeah. just starred in Under the Banner of Heaven. Did you notice that, Who is this? when you saw it? Who is this? I don't, I don't know who Deidre, we're talking about. The, 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 She's the blonde imperial woman who's getting yeah. stuff done. The oh, main... my. Yes. She played I the wife. Oh, my God. How did I forget that? The whole time I was watching any scene with her, I'm like, I know her from somewhere. And I didn't, I waited until like ap episode six to actually like finally just look up the cast because it was bothering me so much. But she's had an incredible year for her to go under the banner of heaven. And now in this, like it's, that's really, really cool. One other shout um, out I want to mention is Ebon Moss Bachrock, who's, uh, he's in The Bear as well. If you remember, yeah, if yeah. you've seen The Bear. I like seeing him. That was refreshing. Yeah. That was so fun. <laughs> Um, Genevieve O'Reilly, though, she plays Mon Mothma. Oh, so wow. good. She did so incredible. I really enjoyed her as Senator a lot. Um, now the one thing I will say is this doesn't make me want to watch anything Star Wars. Like it doesn't, it, it doesn't make me feel like, you know, infatuated too. like, I, like I think House of Dragon did for Spence. I think he was like, okay, this is a good story we've got. I'm going to go and watch it. For me, though, I was like, you know what? It's too much 
for me to go into. And I, I, it just didn't get me that way where I was like, yeah, you know, I think I would get into it. The only thing is, and mind you, I don't know anything about Star Wars. So when they were talking about the Empire, I wish I would have mm. known like exactly what that is because in my head, I thought it was like Darth Vader. I didn't know. Like, I still don't know. He is <laughs> the Empire so yes. is like... So, you know what I mean? Like, there were things that I missed or I think that I didn't appreciate as much because I didn't know. But at the same time, I still enjoyed it even though I didn't know anything. So, mm. it was really cool. And, uh, yeah, I, I seriously enjoyed it. Nice. So I want to say, I want to address your, your point real quick about not knowing much about star Wars. And I think, so I'll say I, this was one of my favorite shows of all time. And I think what I loved about this show is, is I like star Wars a lot. I grew up on star Wars. I've seen all the movies and stuff and not a fan of seven, eight, nine. I think they're awful. Um, but and I think Rogue One's the best Star Wars movie, and so because this was made by the same people, same vibe, absolutely loved it. And I think one of the best parts about this show is that it doesn't have the Force, it doesn't have lightsabers, it doesn't have all this like, you know, kooky stuff, which is fine, you know, in the Star Wars movies. But it's just so grounded about real people. And if you watch the Star Wars movies, like the Empire's always kind of portrayed as kind of this—they're big, but they're kind of like bumbling and they never really get anything right and stormtroopers can't hit anything and the officers are kind of silly and like especially in seven eight nine they they kind of dumb them down to make them vulnerable and so the thing that i loved about andor is that they showed you how terrifying the empire actually is with the torture scene for bix and with you know all the oppression and the the genocide and you know all these things that they put in there like that's that really made them scary and it was it was so refreshing because the empire was competent, but the rebels or, you know, those who were resisting, let's say, were slightly more competent. So it was like a chess match, not necessarily like, oh, we're really big, but we're kind of stumbling over our own feet. So the small group of competent people can get a once over on us. So I will say, like, if you watch Star Wars, you may kind of just be like, oh, this is the Empire. But Andor really explores the Empire and the people behind it and develops them in a way that makes them actually seem scary and, and have that menacing kind of feel that you feel like they should have, but they don't always have another, another things. So I, I really enjoyed that. And there wasn't that much like alien stuff. I did want to no. say there was only like two scenes where there were like aliens, but it wasn't that bad at all. You know, like, I mean, not that, it, but you know what I mean? Like watching it, I wasn't like, this is, Eh, it still was what you're saying. The actors and the characters, they grounded you enough that you were okay with the tiny scenes that there were aliens in it. And then you moved on. Yeah, exactly. What did yeah, you think, think Spencer? Uh, I thought it was really good. This is a really good series. I de- it's so weird because my, my cons that I thought of, at least for myself and the way I perceive the show were so different to the cons that I would have for other projects. And so I'll dive into that in a second, but ultimately I really enjoyed this show, it was very separated from everything, similar to what Roger was kind of stating in regards to mm-hmm. no Force, no Jedi. I My number one pro on my list, I put that Andor is one of two Star Wars projects that I can personally think of, of all time, that does not have a crutch. And that is Star Wars 4, because it's the first one ever created, yes. so there's nothing to bank off of. And then there's this movie. <laughs> and so there's no crutch to hang on, no characters i mean andor was such a small character in rogue one that there there was really no like investment there uh it's kind of interesting that he was kind of marketed enough 
to be the solo lead of the show, to be completely honest. But I just think when you think of Obi-Wan and Boba Fett and even Mandalorian, as much as I love Mandalorian, you see Luke Skywalker. Sorry, spoiler. You see Luke Skywalker. You have Grogu, who's essentially a mini Yoda. You have the Force involved. The like Ahsoka. Yoda. Oh. Yeah. So you have you Ahsoka. Have so You've got So many Bane. different things. Yeah. So I felt like they did a really good job of well, not having a crutch and kind of going their own path. So. And one thing, one thing that I think absolutely made this show that no one's talking about, and we've had this criticism of other shows, or at least I have, is Kenobi did this. Um, there's other shows that do this where they bring back a character and they have to make it interesting. And so what Star Wars has been doing a lot is they bring in a character that you know, like Boba Fett or Kenobi. Baby then, Yoda? Well, you don't know Baby Yoda, but they bring in... They, well, you know Yoda. <laughs> So, like, they bring in Kenobi, and you know he won't die. And then the supporting cast is Luke, Leia, and Darth Vader, who none of them will die. So how do you make it interesting? And in my opinion, it never was interesting. There were never any stakes, because you knew they'd all be fine at the end. And what they did with Andor is they bring him in, and you know he's not going to die because he's in the sequel, Rogue One. But they made his character so interesting, and I love that he was not the rebel guy hero that you root for. He was a gray area character. He had a lot of like personal dilemmas and he was sometimes in and out, but he was driven by his own, you know, he was, he was very all over the place, but they surrounded him and put him in interesting situations where it was so tense, especially the prison scenes. The prison scenes were all time stuff, but you felt so tense. You're not worried about him dying. That's not what the stakes are. You're worried about the situation he's in, the stakes of what's going on. Because him dying doesn't make the situation. Whereas I feel like a lot of the Kenobi scenes, it was like, oh, if Kenobi had the potential to die, the scene would feel a lot more urgent. But because they've removed that one factor, they didn't develop the scene enough or the stakes enough to make it that interesting. So I personally thought this was a masterclass in how you bring in a character that you know won't die and you create tension and drama around them and make it about other things and therefore make the show interesting and good, even though you know he won't die. I do think um, what you said about him being like a gray area guy was Mm -hmm. really cool because there were a lot of times where he would say like, oh, I served for like three years. And then they were like, well, you were like a cook or something. You know what I mean? Like he really got lucky a lot of the times. I think I, uh, that's how I perceived it. I perceived it as he was smart enough to get out of a situation when he, when he knew it was going to get bad. He was a runner. He, he ran away a lot, you know, when things started to get rough. Um, and he took his chance to get out of situations instead of stay there and kind of face them, uh, which is a, pro and a con for him but i do like that i did like that part of it that he kind of you know was he's just in these situations and then all he's doing is trying to get out of the situation however he can whether that's running away whether that's lying you know he never really tells the truth either which is really weird for me because that scene with marva when marva was finally like saying she's not going to leave and she was so like happy that the rebellion was starting i wonder why he didn't say like that was me you know i i just i wonder why i think she would have been really proud of him well i think that goes to show his character right i mean that's just kind of who andor was i will say one thing that also stands as a super big positive compared to all the other star wars projects i mean every single project is always focused on like this persona so like the skywalkers or the sith or 
like really just enhanced on these dramatic circumstances, which are really good and they're fun and they're entertaining. But in this one, you have a deep family aspect. You learn much more about the political side of the Star Wars universe. Uh, there's a plenty of action and plenty of adventure. There's intensity with like prison scenes. There's just nothing that's like, hey, here's the Sith Lord. Hey, here's even when they talked about the Empire and uh, Emperor Palpatine, who's like the big and bad for anybody who hasn't seen Star Wars. They never show him and they don't talk much about him, which I like. Mm -hmm. I like that it's very much Me too. a separate story. And so it just they delve into so many more details of the Star Wars universe that people are kind of itching for. Like the political side, you mentioned, I forgot her name, but the female actor who plays the senator, there's so much drama and so much detail in that side of this show that nobody expected. Everybody expected this to be a full-on Andor series, not a Andor in the environment of political schemes and the Empire, you know, kind of being all witty and smart and planning different plots. It's just, that's what made it enjoyable for me. And she has so much at stake too. Like take away Andor, even if if you just like I like that you could do that. You could like take away what Andor is doing. She's still in hot water, no matter what Andor is doing. Yep. Like every, every character I mean? was interesting. Yeah. Every character is interesting, and I I got to give a shout out to Stellan Skarsgård. He was oh insane. my so good. I I. Like, I remember the first scene where it, like, hit me was when, you know, he gets on his ship and he's going back to Coruscant, or he's going back to Coruscant and he puts on the wig and he's like, you know, he's, he's <laughs> yeah. in character. Like, I was like, oh, man, like, this is so cool. Like, he's really, like, they're really, like, letting him act. And obviously, you know, one of the greatest parts of the show was the sacrifice speech in episode 10. Um, that speech, was, okay. like, was so um powerful. Is that the one that you're talking about that you think is better than Angela Bassett in Wakanda Forever? So, yes, remember but... remember when we talked about it, you were yeah, like... That's the one. Andor did it. Is that... Okay, I am gonna... I, I'm, I still think Angela Bassett did it better, but I will say that... I, I was thinking, like, when that was going on, I was like, I think this is what Roger's talking about because it does hit you so... And it goes on and on like he does not stop he just keeps it going and every single word that he's saying hits you a little bit harder you know uh i i yeah i really enjoyed that part too well and one thing that star wars has struggled with sometimes i think is they they don't create genuine vulnerability in their characters because they're so hero and villain like separate like there's luke is a hero and and you see him struggle a little bit and darth vader is a villain and you see him struggle a little bit but they kind of preserve them in these sort of like traditional roles. And so the thing that I loved about Andor is all the characters were completely vulnerable in different ways. And they explored that a lot. And for me, that speech with Stellan Skarsgård, he's kind of the guy who has to like keep the, keep it together for everybody else. And he has that moment where he kind of cracks and he shows you his vulnerability. And so I love that, like with him as the mastermind and the leader, he's got, he's got someone on his team that's faltering a little bit. And he's like, you know what? Like, I have to put on this mask for everybody, but now I have to, like, be vulnerable to get through to you. And I just loved that throughout the show, there were so many moments of vulnerability. Like, you mentioned it, too, with Cassian. He's always trying to run away, but inevitably he ends up helping or, or you know, his character kind of shines through. Like, the prison scene, he's like, oh, I'm trying to, you know, get out of here. But inevitably he ends up helping everybody else get out. Or, you know, with the, with um, I forget his name, but the guy from The Bear... Um, Arville, that's his name. The guy Ebon oh, Bachrock yeah. plays where he's like, 
yeah, hey, let's split the money and we can go. And he's like, nah, just shoots him. Like, I love that he, I also love that where they were just not afraid to kill people and like have these graphic moments. Like it didn't need and to that be. that was, I did not see that coming at oh, all. I, I really it. didn't. Star Wars doesn't I, do I really that. I really like that part too. I did not see it coming. They don't do that very much. They don't let, they don't let things like that happen very consistently. So that was also really refreshing. It just felt so real and vulnerable and like, and, and raw, which was so nice. Well, um, I have. I also wanted to say I was kind of shocked too. Oh, sorry. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I just, I just wanted to say when, um, when Nemec died, mm-hmm. that was so shocking to me. That crunch. Ugh, I can yeah, still hear I it. Didn't, exactly. I was like, oh, like this is like reminding me of, you know, not a Star Wars show. I don't know. It just, I didn't expect it to happen. Yeah, I mean, on that exact same thing, what you just mentioned and what Roger was saying, I think I have a couple more pros, but I wanted to mention this one con because there's it's a weird con to me, but there's a Star Wars aesthetic that feels a little bit forgotten in this series. And what I mean by that is we're introduced to whorehouses. It's not a serious thing to me, but cussing, like swearing, like you don't, that's not like a thing or like kind of the the sexual like... Mm-hmm innuendo like those things never happen in star wars there's like this kind of the sense of magic that comes in star wars or like the sense of feeling that's not here and i actually do miss that in this series it felt a little bit like i don't want to use the word too realistic like i don't want to say that but it it almost did feel that way because in star wars you you kind of like feeling like you're out of normal situations that you're out of the normal worlds that you're kind of in and you can kind of escape to that and I think a lot of Star Wars fans might struggle a little bit to feel that escape when they watch the show. It doesn't take away from the writing, the direction, the environments. Once again, one of my biggest pros is they didn't use hardly any like standard uh, like stage. They, they actually went to Scotland. They built incredible set pieces that were extremely detailed. So all of the effort was very much like top notch and top tier. But when it comes to kind of this aesthetic of Star Wars, I think they were missing it a little bit. Do you think that it was too mature? No. There wasn't no, as mature as they wanted if, it to be. If you've, if you've watched Rogue One, it feels very much online with Rogue One, but oh, Rogue okay. One takes it... I think Rogue One keeps that aesthetic, though. I think that's the only difference with Rogue One and Andor, is Andor feels very... It's, it's very dry, it's very just bland, it's very dull, which is, it, it plays to the strengths of the show because that's kind of the way the show is. It's in a very bland environment, very difficult circumstances. That's not a wealthy area or wealthy people. So it, it very much matches that energy, but it just feels very different. And I think some people might really love that, but for me, it just, it was a little bit off. Yeah, I was in the group. I was in, I loved it actually. And I think, I think with how many, how many important topics and things that are prevalent in our society today that it touched on was what made it so great. Because I think, I think Star Wars, especially like the, the movie seven, eight, nine, I think they went way too far away from anything that was relatable in my opinion. And for this to come back and like, just be super genuine and grounded. And it's like, a lot of these issues are things that like we deal with today. Like for me, it, it humanized everything a lot more and made it more relatable for me. Uh, but I mean, it wasn't, yeah, it's not going to feature a lot of stuff that you would be like, Oh, like 
let's watch a Star Wars movie with the kids. You know, it's going to be great. This is probably like, I don't know if I, you know, my kids would watch or even want to appreciate this as much as I would as an adult. So I think, I think it's definitely going for a different feeling. And I think, and again, Rogue One, very similar vein, but I mean, a lot of Star Wars stuff ends with happy endings and it's all very good triumphs over evil. And Rogue One doesn't end that way. Rogue One is a tragedy in, in a lot of ways. It's very grounded. It's very real. It's there's loss. There's, you know, pain, all this stuff. Like it's very prevalent in sacrifice. And I, I think that is what I really like about Rogue One and this, because that stuff we just don't get to see in Star Wars. And when you put it on that stage, everybody's going to watch. And I think it's just an opportunity to relate to and connect with people more. What are some of your other cons, Spence? Um, I felt like, so the story was really good. Uh, one thing, this is not a con, but I want to preface my kind of my thought process by saying how I felt it was impressive. They created three mini movies. So exactly what you said in the very beginning, mm -hmm. yeah. the first three episodes. And then I felt like, or like the first like chunk, like first four, then the next four, and then the next four. I just felt like they were three completely separate movies that really inter yeah. intertwined, which was very impressive. But at little points throughout the show, I was feeling myself getting detached because they were changing the premise of the story so much. Like he succeeded. Nope. No, actually he failed. Oh wait, no, no, he's, he's succeeding. Oh wait, no, he failed. It's like, they were really kind of making you go in and out, in and out, in and out. And not necessarily a terrible thing, but for me, I found myself becoming a little bit more distracted as the show went on. And then there were moments that brought me back. Right. There were moments where I was like, oh, I, I can't touch my phone. I can't look at my phone. But then there were moments where I was like, man, I'm just like, let's go. Let's let's get like, are you moving me in this direction? Or are you not? And so I felt like because they focus so much on authenticity. Right. So authenticity and developing a very grounded character, uh, really just like in the most realistic way possible. It kind of just felt a little bit dull at times, not boring, but dull, which is kind of a hard line to separate. But I was always immersed. It just felt a little bit different. I don't, that probably made no sense, but that's kind of my thought process. I think I, I agree with you to certain points too. Like um, when he finally got free and was on the beach and then, you know, two seconds into being on the beach, now he's going to prison for six years. You know what I mean? Like that, I was like, oh man, this guy, he can't catch a break, which is his character. But I also kind of got a tiny bit detached during the first prison part until it started to get serious in the prison. And then I was like, oh, this is getting good again. So I get what you're saying. I was kind of on that roller coaster ride too. Like that's why I say three was my favorite, The Reckoning. I thought one in the first two episodes, yeah, they're, you know, they're introducing things, but like three really stood out to me. Then six and seven really stood out to me. Then, you know, nine through 12. So I, I totally get what you're saying. Yeah, I think... I think one thing that they did really well in this show is develop the, I guess you could call the antagonist side. So you had Cyril, you had Deidre, you know, you have some of these Imperial characters that normally they would just be sort of this evil figurehead who just fills a role while we focus on the good guys. But in this show, they really developed them. Like I really loved Cyril's development through the first couple episodes, how he's just like a really ambitious guy. You know, he doesn't, a lot of these people are just people doing a job, right? Like, it's not like they're all the empire's evil, you know, they're not all out to get you, but some of them are, and you see that in the show. So I think that developing them was key to making this a well-rounded story because 
as you see like Cyril's struggles and Deidre's struggles and sort of the, you know, she's a, a woman in a role of power with a bunch of men around her who are trying to push her down. That's a realistic life scenario. You got Cyril, who's a really ambitious guy and he's, you know, he's just trying to do the right thing. And his boss is like, ah, just put it under the table. I don't want to deal with it. And he's like, I'm going to go for it. And it blows up in his face. Like I'm sure a lot of people can relate to stuff like that. So I think just seeing those kinds of sides of characters and that development really helped round out the whole story instead of just making the empire like a, a placeholder for the bad guys and not really developing them. So can I, I say one of my little tiny funny cons? Yes, please do. Um, okay. Diego Luna, Cassian, Andor, great, right? Very good looking. He looks too much like Pascal from Mandalorian. And I was like, oh, they could be brothers. Like I kept thinking that in the first three episodes, <laughs> I was like, if I squint, they look exactly alike. And it's so funny because after I thought that, I saw that they're starring in an HBO Max show yep, and they're brothers. And I was yep. like, oh, I don't know if they're brothers, but they're in it together. I'm assuming they're brothers because they look so much alike. But I was like, that was my only like tiny con where I was like, am I? Are they connected? Because I don't know anything about Star Wars, right? So I'm like, are they brothers? Like, I don't know. I was like making up all this crap in my head. <laughs> like, maybe they're connected, but no. Well, funny no, enough, Pedro Pascal stars in uh, Narcos, and then Diego Luna stars in Narcos Mexico. So they're they're kind of on the same wavelength. See, like, they it's, are. It's, I'm going to go to that HBO Max show. Yeah. Um, I do have they a hot take. Totally I, I, have, I have to introduce my hot take because Roger asked me to. So can I give you my hot take? Let's hear it. <laughs> if you had one. <laughs> um, honestly, I don't think it's that much of a hot take. But I wish that um, you know how they they pretty much started him out in uh, what's it called? Like that group of rebels where it was just him and like five other people. And that, like they had this massive task at oh. the end. The, the you know crew for about? the break-in? Yeah, the crew for the break-in. I wish right. the entire yeah. series was wrapped around something there rather than making that a three, four-episode stint and then almost wiping it out like it wasn't important. That's that's what drew me a little bit away is they did so much for that. And I, I see Roger's point because in that midst, they built and developed emotions with other characters as all of that was happening. So you needed that part of it, but then they really just wiped them out and said, oh, no, actually, you're a prisoner, so we're going to jail. And then you just started a whole new story, and that's where I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, I just invested so much time into your plan, into you guys becoming more well-rounded as a team and emotionally connected to each other, and now it's just, like, wiped clean, which I think they're going to revisit those con those connections in the next season, but that was my hot take where I was like, yeah, I wish the whole series was kind of a buildup from this task force that they put together. Well, I did like one thing I really liked about that is he was brought in at the last minute to help what they had already been doing. So yeah, for, for the focus of the show to shift there, like for the, for everyone, but Andor, that had been like their big buildup, but for him, it was like, he was brought on to be the, you know, the final piece. And so without the connection and involvement in that situation, which was massive. Like after episode six, I was like, man, like there's six more episodes of this show. Like what is going to happen? Like that was so epic. Uh, but then I was like, it was cool to see how like the finale is basically everyone comes back together because they need to kill him because of his involvement in that situation. So like there was 
um, there was a purpose in that and like it did have long reaching effects, but I felt like it was, it was good because he came in last minute. And so, because you're seeing it sort of through his lens, it was like, yeah, I'm hopping in, I'm helping, I'm out. Like kind of like Brittany said, he always does that. But if it had been more built up, like he had been longer part of the team or whatever, I think they would have spent a lot more time on it. But, and I think spending more time kind of on the prison situation was better. Like, I think that was probably the best chunk of the show was the prison part. I think that was so well done. And Andy Serkis, fantastic actor. He nailed that role so well. Do you guys um, think that he's alive or are we all on the same, are we all saying no? Because I want to say yes so bad. If he's alive, he's back in the prison, but well, I don't me, think he's alive. I think to your exact point, Roger, I think that's why I wanted the, I, I'm calling it the whole task force rebellion circumstance. I liked Iced. those those episodes the most. And so I wanted more of that. Okay. Whereas I think what you're saying, and by the way, the story makes complete sense. I see why they did all mm -hmm. that. I just, I felt a little pulled like in different directions and I didn't enjoy the prison scene as much, except for that last prison like episode that they had. It felt a little long. It felt a little bit dragged out, but like great performances from Andy circus. Obviously there's a lot of tension. There's a lot going on. I just, I related so well to the outdoors and the environment of them being in Scotland and them filming there and them really training and coming together and figuring out different personalities. And it, that's what drove my, my curiosity. And then it kind of just shifted. So I think to your exact point, I just liked that segment more. So I wanted more, but you know, to your point, you're like, Hey, I enjoyed okay, the, that's fair. the prison sequence. So I really liked the way it, it flowed. So I just, it, I think you kind of side with a couple of those, story arcs whether it's the first part second part or third part which i think most people are in the first two um and then the third part is really leading into the next season mm -hmm. so well i like and oh, how, go ahead. how many just because you guys know this and i don't how many seasons can this go because they do have a second season coming out it's already like you know they already said oh you think there can only be two there's only two there's they they are the set, end of the second oh. season is leading into Rogue One the movie so okay yeah yeah it's I mean technically they probably could have done as many as they wanted but I I I think the nice thing which we've talked about is less is more sometimes it's like don't drag it out and make him go on all these long winded adventures like we got a first season let's build it into the second season and then let's build it into the movie because I mean his character doesn't show up after rogue one so let's just keep it kind of condensed but i think that'll give them more opportunities to explore different parts of star wars you know with having done this and i, so I think, think overall could take little more little parts and make it like a two three season and it would be good well i no i i, I don't think they would it would want to extend it i think they can explore different aspects of star wars with the same style i think that would be really interesting because Rogue One is a prequel to episode four, which is the first movie that they made. So um, it one thing that I really liked about Rogue One was that it gave a lot of context to episode four, which really didn't have any, like Spencer said, it didn't have a crutch to stand on, which is good because it did, was so successful, but it also wasn't as good because it, the stakes didn't really feel that intense. Like at the end of episode four, they go blow up the Death Star. They got these plans from somewhere. It was convenient. And then you find out how many people actually like were murdered to get the plans. And that's what Rogue One is about. And so now you learn about the people that got the plans that were murdered to get episode four to happen. So like 
it's like backtracking a little bit, but in a good way because it's explaining the stakes and and showing like this wasn't just a whimsical thing. Like R two D two didn't just get the plans and like from Princess Leia and like oh we got them cool let's go. It's like no that you see the massive cost and sacrifice it took to get them. So that's what I yes. really like about it. Spence, you didn't answer. Do you think that Kino could be alive? Um, honestly, I I would not. Or be do you think no? If because he's such a big name that uh, Tony Gil Tony. That's right? what I was thinking. Wait, 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 hold on. What's his name? Tony Gilroy. Yeah, Tony Gilroy. I wouldn't be surprised you know, if Tony Gilroy approaches Andy Circus and says, "Hey, I, I'm writing season two. If he hasn't already said this." Do you want to be involved? And if he doesn't, then they'll write him off. But if he does, I think there's a lot of room for him to be involved in the storyline. Either way, they could kill him off in season two or they can kill him off in season one. But it's kind of up to Andy Serkis, I think. For that scene where he was like, I can't swim, really genuinely was like so sad. That was like, sad. I was like, oh. That was a really sad and then scene. I was like, just, just paddle. Like I was like shouting to my father, I'm like just like just like get on your back, like you'll make it. It'll be okay. I was hoping that probably some that of the best be okay. Star Wars CGI I've experienced in a long time. They they finally like did this extremely realistic. First of all, it's the only series I believe so far. I know definitely besides because Obi Wan and Mandalorian used the volume. Andor did not mm -hmm. use the volume. So they did all set pieces. They built every single set. None of it was digitally created, which I loved. I love that they took the time because it yes. feels real. It feels very much and you could tell. like you were there. And I feel like the actors probably appreciate it just as much as we do as audience members. And so that's something that really played a massive role. I think one thing for you to know, Brittany, as well as anybody listening that hasn't watched Star Wars pretty much what they're doing right now is they're filling in the gaps of the movies. So they had obvi obviously this gap between three and four. So they're really pushing in a lot of content between those two movies. And then there's obviously a gap between like after six, like what happens after six. And so they started building more and that's kind of where these series are coming from, but I'd like them in my personal opinion to go before the first movie, before the prequel movie and really start from kind of ground zero because there's so much that has never been touched or discovered or talked about. And so I think that they should go that route because we're kind of saturating with the Lando, or I mean the, the Hans, uh, Han Solo movie. And then you Solo. have obviously Rogue One and or um, Obi-Wan. Clone Wars. <laughs> Clone Wars, Kenobi. Mandalorian, Boba Fett. Mandalorian. In the midst of just that like three to four gap <laughs> that I think needs to be kind of scrapped. They need to be done with that section. So can well, I ask I, you guys, is it, is it going to end? Is Star Wars, has it ended? I don't know how many movies there are. I don't know, but has it ended or they, do you guys think that they could make another movie from this or is it just like movie from Andor or in general? In Star Wars in general, just like the Star Wars. Oh, they'll make more are, movies. Are the movies. Are the movies done? They'll make more is movies, but they may not be like, they may not be like chronological. Like, it may not be, like, 10, 11, 12, but they may make, like, negative 2, negative 1, 0. I, I don't know. They could make another standalone movie like Solo or, or Andor, which isn't necessarily, like, this is part of a series. It's just, like Spencer said, filling in gaps of story here and there. But I think they'll they'll make more movies. They're going to make more shows. Um, there's a ton of shows coming out on Disney Plus that are Star Wars. Um, and they, Spencer, I mean, they... you'd like to see them go way back. Well, yeah, like so... Movie-wise... 
to we understand. Want, we want Star a Game Wars, of Thrones, House of the, the Dragon. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So (laughs) the the nine Star Wars films, like the nine that are like known, um, at least in the chronological order, are kind of the Skywalker saga, which is a family. It's a it's essentially their progression. And so that I think is done. I don't think they're gonna touch that really anymore. I mean they can technically, but I don't think anybody wants that. And so I want them to discover, honestly, a new family or a new scenario. I mean, Andor, for example, is a great circumstance because they're talking about the rebels. So, like, kind of the origin of people who are going against the Empire, which is a really cool aspect. And so, they're obviously, they made a movie. They're creating a TV series. They might do more. Taika Waititi is currently working on a Star Wars film. So, that's going to be kind of cool. Don't even know what that's going to involve. But there's a lot of right. people working on different projects. I just think they're done with like the standard Star Wars story because that was the Skywalker saga, and they they wrapped it up in uh, Episode Nine. Yeah, the, okay. the um, earlier this year they came out with Tales of the Jedi, which is a prequel about two characters from Star Wars, um, mostly one. Uh, so that jumps forward a little bit pre Episode One. And tells that story of Count Dooku a little bit and Ahsoka. But Spencer and I have talked about this. But we'd love to see, like, jump back a thousand years before Star any Star Wars we know. And show us, like... Because there used to be wars of, like, thousands of Sith and thousands of Jedi. And, like, nobody... We, no characters we've ever heard of. We want to see, like, that in its heyday. Just a completely different time. Kind of like House of the Dragon did. Um, it's like, we'll jump back 200 years. You don't know anybody, like totally different landscape dragons everywhere like different same same bloodlines but different people like that's what i'd like to see because it removes the need to bring in cameos and bring in you know all the stuff that we're familiar with it's like just scrap it we've seen it do something new be original be creative like and that's why i really love andors because i feel like it does that um obviously it's not a massive prequel with all this other stuff but it's showing us stuff we've never seen before in star wars and doing it without feeling the need to throw in cameos or do like, you know, fan service because they feel like they have to, even though there are little nuggets here and there for those people who can appreciate it. So I got a question for you, Brittany, which, which franchise would you what watch is first Lord of the Rings or star Wars? Ooh. They're both about the same length in time to watch. So. <laughs> are you talking about just movies? I'll say the only reason and this is just me being like honest and picky about I don't like old 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 movies like that like I just I just I don't enjoy them how many olds did you say old 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 what is old you know, old old I will say old 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 was it 74 Star Wars? yeah was it 70 was it 74 76 yeah I will no. say, Brittany, though, that... I'm not, I'm not... I don't want to watch... You know what I mean? Like, I just, like... It's something about... 77. Me. Just, you might be missing out on the two know. best... You might be missing out on the two best Christmas movies of all time because you don't want to watch old movies. What's the What's the two? I think... I think, it's, I think It's a Wonderful Life is pretty well known as, yeah. like, the best Christmas movie of all time. I do have to watch that one, yeah. Okay, and then, nice. in my opinion, the original... Uh, uh, now I'm forgetting. Oh my god, I, I wanted to say nightmare, but not nightmare. Uh, miracle on 34th Street. Miracle oh, on 34th oh. Street. The original Miracle on 34th Street is so genuinely powerful as a Christmas movie that I think you should watch it. It's like a 1940s. Even, 
I agree. I think I think I could do that. I think I could do like you know one film in that time. I could commit, but for it to go from seventy four to when the latest one, I just I don't think I can get there. And the other thing that bothers me is the order that it goes in. How it's like five, two, three, seven, nine. I don't even know. It was so. <laughs> It if only you had some friends. Me. If only you had some people you did a podcast with who could tell you the order to watch them. I know, but that's why I'm saying that is the most annoying thing I have ever heard in my life. That that a place would, uh, you know, they would go, "Hey, you know what? Let's actually just like mess up the whole order and then release it at later times." I know. Like, screw, screw Game of Thrones for creating a series and then creating a prequel. Like, how dare yeah. they do that? Like, or, that's or, the worst thing. Game of Thrones is done. Game no. Of is done. It's the same exact thing. They're making a sequel, Jon Snow. They are, how actually. They're making end projects. But how is it that they've released movies, one, two, and three, okay? Or let's say one through five. They've released those movies one through in six. that order. They're... In that order. But then you're supposed to watch them in a different order? It doesn't make sense. No. They, wa- no. they, re- they released four, five, and six. And then they wrote the the origin story for Darth Vader in one, two, and three. That's what it's about. And then they they smoked a bunch of weed and they made seven, eight, nine, <laughs> and it was horrible. And it's not dare, about Darth Vader at all. Dare and I that, say they they smoked something else? Because if it was weed, they would have <laughs> made, <they> <laughs> made a good story. If it was weed, they would have made a good say, story. Had you been like uh, mushrooms or something that just like made oh them that would have been an even better yeah. story. I don't know what no, they did. Oh. A bunch of death sticks. That's what they did. It was death sticks. Um, <laughs> but so I I don't know. I think I would do Lord of the Rings before I would take on Star Wars. I okay. I just I don't know if well, I Lord of the Rings is old old because that's like early two thousand old old old. Okay, <laughs> if it's in the early two thousands, I can do it. Before that, uh-uh. do you have do you have a year before? that's like your limit? What's your limit? What's your year limit? What's the oldest you'll go? I do, but don't you guys can't give me shit for it. I'm going to. We're going no, to. I'm just kidding. Okay. Well, <laughs> what is I'd it? Say like honestly, unless unless it, unless you guys are recommending it to me to watch it, am I going to watch a film before 2005? Probably not. <laughs> 2005. <laughs> I feel like that's one of the most blasphemous things to say on a movie podcast. <laughs> I'm I'm just being honest with you guys. I don't. I, like, I respect it. What, I respect I it. It depends. It depends on what kind of movie it is. Also, like I'm I'm I don't want to see like the old. Um, so Shawshank Redemption is just out of your list. It's just no bueno. It. it was in my top ten. The Green, the Green Mile. The Green Mile. I watched them and I will watch them, but like, am I ecstatic too? No, I like I like every I like all the movie growth past then. Okay. Well, let me look okay. at when was the first Avatar? Two thousand and nine. What do you know what growth there's yeah, been if you haven't seen anything before it? Oh, I've seen I've seen some stuff before, and that's what made me turn off. Turn what have you off seen? Okay, truly, what though, turned you off to it. What movie? Well, no. What What made you not like it? I'm curious. Did you see bad movies? Like what? Or was it like what was it? I'm genuinely you know, curious. I think, I think it was the. Well, for me, that's why I say it depends on what kind of movie. Because, like, if it's a comedy before 2005, I will watch it. Okay? it's If it's, like, an action movie, though, I'm not watching it. The effects? No. I don't I don't want to see it. I just well, you, don't. you also got to realize they did much more practical effects back then than they do now yeah. in action movies. So they actually felt more real back then because they weren't staging and using visual effects for a lot of their sequences. 
See, really? I didn't. I didn't get into movies like like how I am now until I was later on in, after two thousand five. But like you know, later on in life. No, that's fair. So I kind of have an expectation and what I'm used to. So like going down from that, which I say going down because it's like the quality is what I the qualities I'm talking about. Maybe not the story quality or you know the acting quality, but just like the quality of it has gone down. So I just I just don't gravitate towards those kinds of, towards that, really. So it sounds like you like the more realistic effects of today, not necessarily yes. That's like... That's exactly what it is. It's, it's, it's the todays that I've, you know, loved that it's not the same as... Well, whether, oh, you, whether you love it or hate it, I genuinely want to know what you think about It's a Wonderful Life because that's... I am. I'm going to watch it for this for this Christmas holiday. I'm going to. And don't, don't let my opinion sway you at all, but it is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's my absolute favorite Christmas movie of all time. But if you hate it, I would love to hear your thoughts and I will be open-minded. I just want to know what you think. Maybe we should review it. There, I'm going to go in there like Spencer, like this. We should. Maybe we should uh, <laughs> review it. We'll do, We'll review it. Uh, with Brittany once she watches it, because I also think it's the best Christmas movie ever. And wow, okay. no, I I completely agree with Spencer. I I think a lot of people feel that way. I it might be what the highest year, rated. What year was it? Oh, uh, um, Jimmy, it has Jimmy Stewart. So it's... you guys like nineteen forty five or something. Nineteen forty six. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Just okay. Well, I know, I'm gonna watch it. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go in there with the you know. I'll... Clean slate. I'll put, I'll put hey. some tape on the box that says 2005, and you'll be like, oh, yeah, that's good. And, yeah, yeah. And, then, and then once you're done with that one, make sure uh, you head over to Miracle on 34th Street, which was 1947. So <laughs> it's not okay. as good as It's a Wonderful Life, though. That's why I, I'm I do with love it's that a movie. Wonderful Life and go on. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, it's good. It's good, but oh, It's a Wonderful Life. I, I think it might be the highest rated Christmas movie on IMDb's. Oh, I would imagine wow. it is. I would imagine. Wow. I'm going to look real quick. Family? Is it like a family show? Yeah, like yeah, for family. everybody to watch? Definitely. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's got James, it's got Jimmy Stewart, who's one of the best actors of all time. So, Okay, that sounds good to me, you guys. Wait, wait, okay. I didn't even ask you guys. What did you guys rate Andor? What's our rating? What did you oh, guys yeah, rate? Oh, yeah, we got to give our without a mic rating. Okay, I'll go first. I gave it a 7 out of 10. Sorry, nice. I gave it a 7 out of 10. All right. What about you, Spencer? I give it an 8.2 out of 10. Wow. Oh, I'm going to do right. the math for this. Uh, here we go. Now that I know how, I'm going to do the math for this. I'll, I'll also do it just in case. No! <laughs> Roger gives it a 10. I'm going to give it a 9.5. Okay. I think... And I think it's just, again, because... I did it wrong, Spence. It's a good thing. 8.2. 8. 8. 8.2 is our rating. Solid. Solid. All right, that's good. That's a solid rating. 8. I would agree with that rating, actually. That's I, that's it's a good a average. High, but I agree. It's a good one. Well, your rating's a little low, so... <laughs> hey, this makes up for so. 3.5 on Don't Worry, Darling, all right? That 3.5 was oh unnecessary. Oh, my gosh. It's just so disrespectful. Generous. Just a disrespect. That movie is all eye candy and no substance. Oh, my God. That movie is cotton well, candy. Like it's it's eye candy. It's all, eye, it's all eye candy with a lot of substance. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. 
if if cotton candy has substance, then sure. I We're mean. gonna have to do a debate on like t- our top movies of the of the year of 2022. Well, we got our We've got some episodes uh, towards the end of the year in the next couple of weeks that we're going to cover our top five biggest disappointments of the year. So I know <laughs> yeah. Br- Braden actually asked us for that. He asked us for some disappointments a few months Maybe back. We, we, have, in. we haven't, we haven't Can forgotten we bring about Braden, Braden in. Let's do that. Let's do that. <laughs> All right. We, I'll have him pop in next time. Thank we, you. Uh, and we're also doing our top five, like favorite things of the year, like our highlights of the year. So it, it doesn't necessarily have to be a movie or a show or anything like that. Um, we've also got a big list coming up next week with a special guest. So lots of big stuff as we head into the end of the year. Uh, it's going to be really exciting. And of course, as we move into Oscar season, there's a lot of big movies that are hitting the screen right now that have Oscar implications. So I know Spencer's seen a lot of them, a couple big ones on my list to see Brittany as well. So Keep that in mind as you head through the holidays, and you know we've got Avatar. We've got Avatar coming two weeks up, away from I Avatar. Very excited for yeah, two weeks away from reviewing Avatar, so it'll be it'll be a really good one. Yep, Avatar: uh, Wakanda Forever is going to be an interesting review, so we will see <laughs> how that goes. <laughs> Avatar: I swear, the Way I was of like, Wakanda. Avatar: The Way of Wakanda. Black <laughs> the Way of Water. <laughs> and make sure you guys follow us on Instagram at without a mic and please 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 go give us some ratings on Apple Extra please. podcast please please please, give please, us please. also if you guys haven't seen it please watch Andor because the more people who watch it the more this type of show can get made in Star Wars by Disney like just in general like I feel like a lot of these Disney shows have been kind of meh or misses and for a truly great one to come out. It's just awesome to support it because it shows them like we, the viewers want more of this stuff, like WandaVision, Loki, Andor, you know, some of these shows, this is what we really, this is what we deserve as fans. So for me, that's, that's my biggest pull is like, just give us the best we deserve. It can be Marvel. It can be star Wars. It can be Lord of the Rings, DC. Give us what we want. Give us what we want. Give us what we want. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, bye. Till next week. Bye. Till next time. Bye.